I wanted to talk to us. Um, you know, I think vision is everything. And, uh, you know, it says without vision, the people perish. And so um, I think in order to thrive and in order to be all that Jesus has called us to be, we have to realize what is the vision for our Christian life. And so what does it mean to be a Christian? Um, and Christian means little Christ. And so what I love about that is that Jesus' whole goal, God's whole goal is to make us look like himself. And so with that vision in mind, it should change the way we live our life. Because if our whole goal is to look like him, I believe we will say yes to things that we wouldn't normally say yes to. Because with every single, you know, every, and in terms of growing and getting stronger, it's always in adversity, it's always in the tension that you actually grow. Like if you want to work out, you have to apply weights, you know? And weights have a place because they're making you stronger. And for our Christianity, adverse situations and things that are difficult actually should be the birthing place of what brings us into the fullness of what Jesus has for us. And we can all say amen. It's like, yeah, amen. But the reality is the tension comes and we're like, God, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yes, Jesus, we want to be more like you in everything we do. And then, you know, that situation comes up and it's right in front of our face. And then we're like praying for that situation to go away. <laughs> and Jesus is like, so what's your vision again? <laughs> And so we have to keep the vision in front of us. We have to keep Jesus in front of us so that we can actually become what he's called us to be. And I believe a lot of the vision for Christianity that has swarmed our culture has come exactly that, from our culture. And so whether we realize it or not, the culture around us has, has in ways shaped our Christianity. And so we all know typically, and, and thank you Jesus for setting us free, and, and I don't believe as a house we believe this, but you know, as a Western, as United States, often the goal has been, oh, hold on until one day we get to heaven where we can be with Jesus. <laughs> And when you look at the life of the disciples, you look at the life of Jesus and you're like, wow, that is like the stupidest thing you could ever think. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they were not trying to hold on until they made it to heaven. They were living a life that was full of conviction. There we go. Yeah, I think the batteries are. Um, 
there we go. Um, and so, you know, where was I? Um, and so we can see from the life of the disciples that that is completely the opposite of what our Christianity should look like. And so often, you know, we have made our Christianity in America look like keep me as comfortable as possible until one day I can go to heaven. And so I believe the reason we got into that is because right now our forefathers, and and I'm not saying everything that we did as America was like this, you know, everything was right, but as, as a nation, we came here to seek after and have freedom to fully become alive in Jesus. And our nation was founded upon Jesus. And not everything was perfect, but the the heart behind it was Jesus. And so from that place, there was lots of battles, there was lots of wars, there was lots of things that people did to lay down their life so that we could have freedom. And it's amazing and it's beautiful and they established a, the kingdom here in America. But the reality is the further and further we get away from realizing the freedom that was bought for us, the further and further away we get away from valuing what was actually paid for us. And so what I mean by that is inheritance is a beautiful thing. Inheritance is where someone worked really hard and fought really hard for you to receive something that you didn't have to fight for. And it's something that we, we all want and we all need so that we don't have to go refight battles that have already been won. But so often inheritance can turn into entitlement where all of a sudden we forget what was fought for us and we think what we've gotten through inheritance, actually that's just a basic right that we're supposed to have. And so we think that we should have this basic right when in reality we forget who fought for us to be able to receive what we're walking in. Does that make sense? And so with that, I believe we've gone from a Christian culture that was established and fought for, and there was something established in this country about freedom. And, and believe it or not, this, my message is not about America, but it's about a mindset. And so, and so the reality is, is, is something was established here, but all of a sudden we, start to for, we started to forget and we started to stop advancing that kingdom and we just started to stay camped out in what has been established from, for us. And when we, when we live in a place that doesn't proactively, proactively advance the kingdom, we actually, this is what I wrote. Hopefully I can remember my own quote. So um, where is it? I believe when you lose vision, you lose conviction and simply act out of tradition. I believe when you lose vision, you lose conviction and simply act out of tradition. So what I mean by that is there was something that was established here with people who fought for something to establish it here. And then all of a sudden, America established as a country who was a Christian country, but 
all of a sudden society started to have a Christian moral view, but the further and further way we got away from that fight in advancing the kingdom, we simply camped out and we simply did things out of tradition rather than out of vision and conviction over what God was calling us to. I don't think I said that fully how I wanted to, but <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that all of a sudden we're doing things from a place because that's what everybody else is doing instead of doing it from a place where we have a conviction inside of us because we see our vision is to be like Jesus. And so if our vision is to be like Jesus and our mission is to spread his glory to the ends of the earth, when our vision is to be like him, all of a sudden we live our life in a different way. And our mission becomes to go spread his glory. Because Christianity has always been birthed and adversity. Like Jesus, and if you don't believe me, Jesus says, you know, in Matthew 16, this was his statement. We'll read it. Matthew 16, uh, verse 18. This is so powerful. You know, Jesus is, is at a place, and, and he's speaking to his disciples at a place where actually people considered it hell on earth because it was so wicked, it was so perverse. They were offering sacrifice, baby sacrifices to uh, this God and they were doing the most perverse things and he's having his talk with his his disciples right at the mouth of where all this interaction is going on and this is what he says. He says, He's talking, he's talking to Peter. He said, um, I, I give you the name Peter, a stone, and this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth what is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. He gave his disciples strict orders not to tell anyone that he was God's anointed one. So this is also the verse, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And Jesus is here preaching in front of the most evil place in society and saying, hey, this is the foundation that I'm going to build my church upon. Like, Right in the devil's camp, he's saying, oh yeah, baby, this is where we belong because we are going to spread the glory of God's to all the earth. Standing right in the place of the most evil place on the whole earth. And, and Jesus came in a time where it wasn't like peace. It was, it was the Roman government was so corrupt and so much was going on and Jesus came at that time. And so what I have to say with that is our vision as Christians is to become like Jesus and our mission is to spread his glory throughout the whole earth. And when we lose sight of, his, of that vision, we start to get comfortable with staying in our box. Because I would just like to say, as America, we come to church so that we can be comfortable. <laughs> like, the church is our little safe hideout so that 
we can feel okay, you know? When in reality, Jesus is like, no, actually, I'm going to establish my church in the midst of hell, and you're going to go spread the glory of God throughout the whole earth. And we're like, oh, let's get together, brothers. Like, the world is so tough. And, and it's great to get together. But we don't get together so that we can simply be comfortable. We get together so we can strengthen each other, so we can go out and spread his glory. And then all of a sudden, when we're strengthening ourselves to go do the mission and the vision of Christianity, all of a sudden we become more than overcomers. Because Christ is empowering us. Why? Because it's his mission and his vision for us to look like him. And so, you know, with that, it's, it's so important that we realize the difference between entitlement and the difference between inheritance. Because so often we're like, oh my goodness, like, you know, they took Jesus out that we can't pray in schools anymore. And we're like, oh my gosh, God is out of the schools. And, and, and I'm all for praying in schools and, and there's a place to, to, to go after those things. But the reality is, is most of us don't pray where we have freedom to pray. Like, <laughs> like we're looking for a law to give us permission to do what we've already been commissioned to do by him. And so the reality is the reason why Jesus is out of the schools is because we stopped praying in the schools in the first place. And the reason why, like, Paul and, and the disciples didn't get together and get a bunch of signs and pickets and go to the Roman government and say, we want Jesus in your government. Like, they didn't do that. <laughs> like, they were like, hey, you guys can't do that. Okay. They go and do it, and they pray for people, and people are healed and raised from the dead, and then they get stoned, and then Jesus resurrects them, and then they go out and do the same thing. <laughs> like... <laughs> I think we need to pray for more resurrection power instead of praying for more like <laughs> changing the government and changing laws and rules. Because the reality is <laughs> we're not going out and doing the gospel and we're like, well, it's because the government's not empowering us to. It's like the government doesn't empower you to do that. Jesus empowers you to do that. And if the government comes against you, that's when we have to learn how to raise the dead so that we can go and keep doing it. <laughs> I don't even know where this is coming from. <laughs> this is why the gospel is exploding in nations where Christians are so persecuted. Because guess what? And that's why I'm kind of... I'm kind of excited about, honestly, I, I don't like Christianity to be mainstream culture. Like, I want to say this in the right way. Like, I don't want it, I don't want fall, people to go to church. I want people to be like Jesus. And for so long, the American church has just gone to church, but they haven't looked like Jesus. And therefore, I'm excited for culture to change where Christians actually look like Jesus rather than just being a part of culture because for so long the trend was yeah I'm a Christian I go to church well that's not the vision of the church it's I'm a Christian I follow Jesus and I look like him in everything that I do 
And when we live in that reality, it doesn't become this mainstream, like, Christian culture. It becomes this, oh my gosh, like what they did in the early church where they actually were afraid to join the church because it actually cost them something. And what I'm saying is I want a Christianity that costs me something because it costs him everything. And when we talk about when we get away from the price that was paid for freedom, we start to take on entitlement. When we get away from the price that Jesus paid on the cross and the brutality of what happened on that day, we get away from looking like just mainstream Christian. We, we, what am I trying to say? When we get away from the price that he paid, we stop looking at the price when we <laughs> I'm gonna, eventually it's gonna come out the right way I want it to. <laughs> if I say it over and over again. <laughs> when we forget the price that he paid, we stop living our lives in a way where we take into account what he did for us and live from that place. See, entitlement would look like this. Jesus died on the cross so that I could go to heaven one day. Like, when you look at that, you so undervalue the blood of Jesus. And I love what someone says, you know, if you have to, if, if we have to go to heaven one day to be free of sin and, and to live a whole healthy life, then death has become our Savior and not Jesus. And so the reality is when we forget what he did and the price that he paid for, we stop living our lives in a way with conviction. And instead of living with conviction, we live with tradition and we just go to church and we do everyday life as if Jesus didn't die on the cross and raise from the dead and put his spirit inside of us to walk as sons and daughters of God. And so my passion is this, is is. What is our vision for Christianity? And if our vision is to become like him, then it changes everything because no longer will we stop praying, no longer will we pray to get out of circumstances, no longer will we pray for God just to change the people around us who are annoying the heck out of us so that we can just be okay with life. We'll start praying, Jesus changed me because they have to see Jesus inside of me. It changes the way we pray. It changes the way we live life. It changes the way when we get into conflict, how we handle life. And we start to change and we start to transform. And so what I love about that is, is, is Jesus is trying to make us look like him. And so when he's trying to make us look like him, and, I, and I'm not going to lie, there's... There's trials are not like when you're going through the midst of them, it's so important you have your vision intact. Because, you know, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when when they went into the fire, they weren't praying for for the fire to be taken away, they stepped into the fire. And they stepped in the fire realizing that Jesus was with was with them. And when they were in the fire, he was. <laughs> 
And then they came out of the fire. And it didn't say they came out like, oh, Jesus, help me. Like, they didn't come out of the fire like half burnt, like a, a, a crispy uh, French fry. They came out of the fire, and it says they were shining with the glory of God. And so the reality is, is if we go into the fire with Jesus, the true test of going in the fire with Jesus is we come out looking more like Jesus. And the reality is, if we don't have that vision in mind, we start to love our own life, and we start to shrink back, and we're like, oh God, where are you? And we start to take account of our life when Jesus hung on a tree, and he put his life before the Father and said, I'm living for you no matter what it looks like. And when we go into the fire with us in mind, we come out looking like a french fry that's like, Half shriveled up, you can't even tell it's a french fry. And, and when we go into the fire with him, we come out. <laughs> I don't know why I'm on french fries. Am I hungry? <laughs> come and look at, we come out looking like a Chick-fil-A waffle fry. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so tasty with Chick-fil-A sauce and Polynesian sauce. No, I'm kidding. Okay, <laughs> Jesus, help me. <laughs> but the reality is if, if he's the potter and we're the clay, He's the one who fashions us and forms us. And when we entrust ourselves into his hands, we're entrusting that he's going to establish us in everything we do. And you know what? After the potter forms and fashions us, what does he do? How do you solidify what he did, the work that he did? You put it in the kiln. You put it in the fire. And that establishes what the father has done, the potter has done. And the reality is, is Jesus is forming himself inside of us. And he is so loving and so kind that he doesn't want to leave us the same. <laughs> Praise Jesus. And the reality is, is that in America, you know, we don't have tons of crazy persecution. And, and honestly, I do believe when we live our lives in such a way that we do go out and we do spread his glory to the ends of the earth, you know, um, people get offended, you know. <laughs> Christians get offended <laughs> when you go and pray for other people. And people get offended. And we're like, oh, my gosh, like, Jesus, help me. Like, why are they so offended? And God's not like, yeah, I know, honey. <laughs> Come here. He's like, No. I'm inside of you. And the reality is, is in America, what it looks like to be a Christian is totally different. And, and it's totally different in this is, is we can go out and share our faith. And we don't have to worry about necessarily getting stoned. And we really don't. And, and, and in other countries, that's a reality. And, and not only like, not only am I talking about like, necessarily going out but even even just in the simple everyday life if if our if his vision is to make us look like him then all of a sudden people have places in our lives that we might not have given them a place before like a lot of times we're praying for people to change and Jesus is saying no I want you to change because the only thing you can control is you the only person you can control is you and the only person that you, that can become like Jesus is you. 
what I, what I mean by that is you're the only one who has in, is in control of your life to make yourself look like Jesus. And so the way that I look at it is the way that I look at it is like this. Um, I do some carpentry and make tables and stuff like that. And, um, I have these lovely little blocks that I stole from the kid's room. And, uh, so when you're gluing up a tabletop, say you have your tabletop, they're all individual pieces that are, are glued together and it makes one straight piece. At least it should be straight. And so what happens, the way that you glue up a tabletop is you have to make sure um, like, can you guys see, like, this was taken from a tree, and a tree has all the round, all the circles, you know? And so all these are individual slices from a tree. And so with that, you see the grain, the way the grain is kind of curved like that. It's kind of curved like this. Yeah, like a, a frown face. Can you guys even see it or no? Sorry. <laughs> so the grain, you know, grain of a tree is like circles, like rings. Okay, so this is a little sliver taken out from a tree. And the grain on this one is like a frown face, okay? You guys see that? So, yeah, if you flip it upside down, it'd be a happy face. Okay, so if you want a straight tabletop, you have to make sure that you actually stagger these grains. Because if this one's going like this, like a f smiley face, then the next one has to be like a frowny face. Because the natural tendency of the wood is to cup. Like if you look at those pieces over there, like a lot of them are cupped, and it's because na wood's natural tendency is to start to cup towards the way that grain is curved. And so when you glue up a tabletop, you have to make sure that you have them going in opposite grain patterns. Because if you don't, you won't come out with a, sh over time, your tabletop will not come out in a straight, flat way. It will actually start to bend. And it'll look like a big frowny face. And, or a big smiley face, when you want it to just be flat. So, what the heck does that have to do with anything? You see, a lot of times... We have certain bends and certain tendencies in our lives. And we're bent a certain way. And a lot of times Jesus wants to straighten us out. <laughs> and so what he does is he brings someone who's running in a, just a different slight way than you do. And what he does is he puts them right next to you. And you're like, what the heck? <laughs> you're, going, you're bending that way. And they're like, you're bending that way. It's called marriage. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so Jesus puts these people in our lives and he puts them next to us so that he can straighten you out. <laughs> and you're like, they need to straighten out. <laughs> and Jesus is like, I put them next to you so you can straighten out. <laughs> because his whole goal is to make us look like him, no matter what it looks like, you're right? Can we say amen? amen. All right. <laughs> you guys just got set up. So, you're like, dang it. <laughs> so all of a sudden, he puts people in our lives that we have to do life with, and, and, and they do life in different ways than us. And we're like, ooh, like, Jesus, change them. And Jesus is like, I'm changing you. 
Because the whole vision is for you to change. And it doesn't matter if this person is a coworker. It doesn't matter if this person is a spouse. It doesn't matter if this person's a family member. He put them in your life so that you can learn how to love. I love what Graham Cook says. He says, you know, there's those grace growers that he puts in our lives. <laughs> those grace growers, those people who learn, those love growers, those people who he puts in your life where you're like, how the heck am I supposed to love this person? And Jesus is like, let me show you. <laughs> and so our Christianity in America looks different, but in a lot of ways it doesn't because the whole vision is to look like him. And sometimes it's easier to look like him when we can show up and be Jesus on the street and pray for someone. But when we go home, are we looking like Jesus in every single thing that we do? Because he wants us to look like him and put love on display all the time. And so the reality is if we don't realize this, so often we're praying to get out of the fire that he's looking to establish us in. And so what that looked like for me is, is I remember uh, about two years ago, like I said, I do carpentry, and I was making these tables uh, for a restaurant in Georgia, and I was like on a timeline, and, and uh, I sent out like five tables for this restaurant, and they were concrete, and it was like five tables, and it was probably weighed like a ridiculous amount of weight, like tons, and so I shipped these out, and I was like, I sent them over to a place in Las Cruces where they had these guys with these forklift and I used to work at Home Depot. So I know how to handle a forklift and how you're supposed to like lifting points. These guys are like lifting my tables, like from not even the pallet where they should have been lifting them. They were like lifting them in the weirdest, craziest ways. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, Jesus. No, like I'm just afraid my tables are going to show up in like complete rubble. And so anyways, I was so done like with the whole project that I really didn't even care. I was like, I'm so done with this. I just want to be done. I don't care. Whatever. Just get them out of my sight. And so sure enough, they were sent over and they were like cracked, like, like the Grand Canyon all throughout my tables, my concrete tables. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just crying. And the guy like, he messaged me, he's like, and so I'm like, oh, I got to redo these tables. So I redid the tables, and then I just, like, built a bomb-proof, like, crate that was just ridiculous. And I sent them out, and thankfully, they came, and they were good. And, and I was just, like, in that time, like, when I, I was staying up just crazy hours, and I was like, I hate this so much. I cannot wait to be done with this. Like, I just want to be done. And so I shipped them off, and thankfully I was done. And I got a check, and yay, it was awesome. Anyways, fast forward another year later, I got rental properties, and uh, I, we got this rental property, and they all had to be rehabbed. And so I found myself just like built, working like crazy late hours and just slammed, slammed, slammed. And it was like in the same time period last year of when I had done those tables. And so I have a point all of this rather than to share my life. But, um, but so I got done finally with rehabbing all these units, and it was just a pain. It was just late, and I was just like, I am so done with this. 
And so I was so done with it. But unlike my tables, it wasn't a one-time check. It was like, okay, I finished the renovations, and now all of a sudden, okay, every month I'm getting a check. And then I'm like, praise Jesus for rental properties. Like, I love you. (laughs) But I say that because so often when we go through trials, we're looking to just come out of them. Like, I don't care what it looks like. Just get me out of this trial. I don't, I just, like, let it be done. Let it be done now. Now. Like, it doesn't matter. I want it to be done. And we get out of those trials. And when our vision is that short, what happens is, and we just want to get out of those trials, we don't actually go through the trial and learn all that we're supposed to learn. And what happens is they become like my tables. It's a... ton of work. It sucks. And all of a sudden, I'm done and I got my one-time check. Yay. But when we truly go through trials with Jesus, with the vision in mind of us becoming like Jesus, what happens is that trial all of a sudden pays us back for the rest of our lives. Because we actually, he established everything inside of us that he wanted to. Does that make sense? In James 1, 1, 2 through 8, it says, Consider it pure joy. You guys all said amen to me saying what I said earlier, which his vision is to make us look like him. So now you have to actually have joy. Okay? So consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Say, not lacking in anything. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives it generously to you without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must... We'll stop there. So, I love that. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you go through trials, because that trial is going to produce something in you where you will lack nothing. You know, the disciples, I believe it was when they saw the multiplication of loaves and fishes, they were in a place in another situation where they had to believe for something. And Jesus told them, hey, you guys didn't you guys didn't get the message of the loaves and the fishes. Therefore, you're in lack of faith because you didn't remember what I did back there. And what I mean by that is when we go through trials with Jesus and he establishes something within us, all of a sudden he's building us up to look like him so that all throughout our life we can look back at times and moments where he formed and fashioned us and when we're faced with something difficult we can say no i'm established in jesus because of that moment where god you formed me and fashioned me and i don't have to be like an orphan because i'm going into this fire with jesus and i'm going to come out on the other side and look more like jesus and so it changes everything when we realize that his vision for our lives is to become like him. All of a sudden, those people in our lives have a place. And I'm not saying, you know, you just find the most, like, <laughs> you don't just find the most ridiculous people and put them in your lives, you know. He'll bring them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. 
he'll bring them. <laughs> no, but rather than you constantly wanting people to be changed and circumstances to be changed, you say, Jesus, make me more like you. Because the reality is, God, guys, you realize how ridiculous it is that Jesus had his 12 disciples and he had Judas in the midst, midst of them. I mean, come on. That's crazy. He had his 12 disciples who followed him, and none of the disciples knew that it was Judas who was going to betray him, which means Jesus didn't treat Judas any differently than the other disciples. Because then everyone would have known it was Judas. But Jesus treated everyone so much, with so much love, that the disciples had no idea it was Judas. And what I'm saying is, I, you know, God's been challenging me. Even, even yesterday, there was like, we had this event going on and there were people that were, that there was relational friction and I found myself like trying to like go the long way around things. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, there's a, and Jesus corrected me. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, <laughs> Get away from me, Satan. <laughs> a lot of us do that, right? We're like, Jesus, cast the devil out of them. And we're like, he's like, no, learn how to love. <laughs> and so what I'm saying is, is if his vision is for us to look like him, we will take, instead of the 40-day journey through the wilderness, we'll take 40 years. Why? Because in the Israelites, they weren't looking to be established in God. They were wanting God to do everything for them. God's like, you go take on the giants. No, you do it. No, you do it. <laughs> what I'm saying is he's forming and fashioning us. And so everything changes when he's forming and fashioning us, and it's all to look like him. And I believe it's all in the context of family and covenant. What the heck do I mean by that? I mean... I just, I can't get over the fact that, that Jesus, like we have to realize that it's possible to live in this way. Because Jesus had every, no one on earth, you guys realize no one, no one on earth actually believed in Jesus' calling and destiny. And all of them worked in opposite directions of what he was trying to do 99% of the time. Like even his disciples just had no idea. And they all betrayed him on his most crucial moment. And the reality is, because Jesus was so established in what his father said, he wasn't like, like he wasn't like on a prayer line, like asking for prayer because all of his disciples had forsaken him. Like he wasn't hurt. He wasn't broken because he had a relationship with the father that was so solid. And the reality is, is most of us, you know, when you're a kid, you live carefree, you know? Like, I love just watching kids because they just run around and they jump on the couches and, like, they run up to people they don't know and they're like, what's up? I love you. We're best friends. And, like, they have no idea. Adults, we're like, eh. like, we're, we're constantly, like, avoiding people because why? Because we don't want to get hurt. And what I'm saying is this, is, is we're like, oh, yeah, we believe in Jesus. We love Jesus. 
And, and the reality is, if you believe and love Jesus, we should look like Jesus. And what that looks like is this, is we live with a full heart. And the reality is, a lot of us don't live with a full heart is because we've been hurt by the world. And then we tiptoe around people trying not to get hurt. And what I'm saying is, don't go around and give yourself to everyone and be like, here's my heart. What I'm saying is, trust your heart to the Father and if your heart is fully entrusted to the Father, all of a sudden nobody has access and vulnerability to my heart. But the reality is we say we trust Jesus and we love Jesus, but yet we tiptoe around trying not to get hurt. And the reality is Jesus didn't live that way because all of his disciples forsook him, every single one of them. And not only that, one of his 12 disciples, which was his buddy who he did everything was, actually paid for him to go get crucified. And Jesus treated him in such a way where he was loved, even despite the fact that he betrayed him. Isn't it crazy that Jesus broke communion with him? And when, I love what Chris Valentin said, it says, when covenants made those who aren't really in covenant, run away. And what I'm saying is this, is so often, because we don't understand covenant, we're so quick to run away. The reality is, is like, in marriage, Jesus is like, all right, like, you realize, like, if you didn't go in covenant with, with, your, with your wife or your significant other, you would be tick, you would be quick to, like, run away. You realize that? You, are you guys like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. What I'm saying is this, is there is something beautiful in covenant because when you go through hard things, you stay together and you grow more in love. But so often we're so quick to run that we don't experience the fullness of what love looks like. Because the reality is I'm so in love with this woman more than anybody else. Because we have a covenant together, and we've chosen to stay together no matter what. And I love her so much. But that love came from a place where we said we're committed to each other no matter what. And what I'm saying is, if we're the body of Christ, and you can't change your family, you can't change your family, right? Your brothers, your sisters. If we're the body of Christ, why are we so quick to run when things get going tough? Why are we so quick to cut people off and tiptoe around things? We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Do we realize that Jesus is making us look like love? And he's not saying, yeah, like Jesus, we're like, yeah, amen, change that person, Lord. <laughs> Rather, we should be saying, amen, Jesus, make me look like love that everyone experiences love, no matter if they spit on me, no matter if they yell, crucify me, no matter if they, like, think about it. Jesus gave his life for the very people who spat upon him, cursed upon him, and did the most vile things to him. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What I'm saying is that's the man we're modeling our lives after. And the only way we can get there is if we say amen to what he says. But if we're only praying to get out of situations and circumstances that are difficult and hard, then we're not actually going to be transformed. Jesus. 
I'm preaching to myself. You realize that too, right? I love this, what this says is John 12, 25. Truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You know, the only time I have a bad day is when I actually am feel entitled. <laughs> when I'm full of Jesus, it's cra- you guys ever experienced like nothing bad could happen in your day, but you just have an off perspective and a mood and everything's bad? Do you realize when you have the right perspective, you consider everything joy? And what I'm saying by that is this. I remember moving to TRC, and, and to be honest, like, oh, goodness, my wife can tell you. Jesus, help me! <laughs> I moved from, like, Dallas where there was, like, this awesome, like, family and community and then went to Reading where it's just like open heavens and everyone's like, woo, yeah, Jesus. And I moved to tier C and I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> I had no, like, I didn't have community. I didn't have people to run with. And it was Jayla and I, and we were like, oh my gosh, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> and I say that because I can consider it pure joy now. Because Jesus established something so deep within me. But it wasn't until, this is what I prayed before. It was like, Jesus, please send people here. Or please, can we move? (laughs) I'm just being totally honest. That was where I was at. And I was like, oh, this is so hard. And it wasn't until I started saying, Jesus, Show me what you're doing and show me what you're building in, with, in me. And that's not, that wasn't until I started to see what he was doing. And it wasn't, and now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesus, you did so much in my heart. You did so much in my life. And I'm so thankful. And now I love living there and I, like, I've grown to love it and I've grown to love the people. And, and it wasn't until I truly died If a seed dies, then it will bear much fruit. It wasn't until I truly died and planted my life and said, (laughs) I'm just picturing myself right now. Like, like I just died. I'm like, God, you can have it all. And then all of a sudden, and from that place, I've seen so much fruit. I've seen so much fruit. I've seen relationships form. I've seen lives change. I've seen so much So many things, but so often this is what we're saying. We're saying we get in a place, and we're like, oh, yeah, I like this place. All of a sudden, adversity comes. Like like we get in a a friend group, and we're like, oh, yeah, I love this friend group. And all of a sudden, they're mean to us, and we're like, peace. Or all of a sudden, like we're constantly roaming about, and we're constantly like trying to find places where we can't get hurt. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you're not really, you're always hurt because you've never died. (laughs) And what I'm saying is this, is is there's a problem, and and you see it in church, like Christianity as, as a whole, it's like YouTube church, you know? 
It's, I want to hear all the good stuff, but I don't want to be in relationship with people because I'm so afraid of getting hurt. And then it's like, I trust you, Jesus. (laughs) You're the man, buddy. He's so cute. (laughs) Um, And the reality is, is, is we don't fully... I'm preaching to myself. You guys realize that? Like, this is the lesson that I've learned and continue to learn is this, is Jesus is fashioning us to look like him. And we don't fully, when we pray to always let the trials go and the circumstances go, we don't get fashioned and formed in Christ. And when we go constantly looking for a place where we won't get hurt rather than trusting our hearts to Jesus to establish us, we don't fully live life. And it wasn't until I died and said, Jesus, you can have whatever you want in my heart and tears. See, I'm here for you and nothing else. It wasn't until that that I started to see the purpose and the vision. And he established so much in my life. And I grew in such dependency upon him. And that reality is, is, is so often like, I even think like I, I realized something when I lived in Dallas. It was like I was riding off of other people's waves. And so often we can always look to ride off on other people's waves. And then when the wave pool isn't going, we're like, what the heck? And what I'm saying is Jesus wants to establish something within you. And that something in you is so that you become all that he's called you to be. And we stop looking for people who are going to make a wave pool for for us. Rather, he's like, I'm forming Christ within you. And we're always looking for people to be Jesus to us when Jesus is saying, I'm forming myself in you. (laughs) And so the reality is we do this conference hopping where we're looking constantly for someone who's going to give us our next dose of Jesus. (laughs) And Jesus is saying, no, I'm forming myself in you. Get alone in the secret and die and dine with me so that I can be all that I've called you to be. So that you can go be Jesus to the world. But we're like, no, someone else be Jesus to the world. And someone be Jesus to me. And Jesus is like, I want to be Jesus to you. (laughs) Am I making sense? I know this is like, this can hit home. It's, It's hitting home for me. Because... The reality is, is, is Jesus is forming us and fashioning us to be something beautiful. And all of a sudden, when our vision for our lives looks like to become like him, we start to say yes. We start to say yes to everything that's uncomfortable. We start to say yes to his calling. And when that becomes our heart cry, what happens is this, is no longer are we following traditions, no longer are we going to church and just being Christians, we're going to Jesus to make him look more like, we're going to Jesus to make us look more like him. And when that happens, (laughs) our mission becomes to go spread his glory to the ends of the earth. And that's what I love about Jesus, is he goes straight to the gates of hell and says, this is where we're going to set up camp, guys. And so often, 
Jesus goes straight to the places where we have been in our life, and, and we're quick to want to be turned in a certain way, and he says, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point on that one right there. And we're like, oh, get away from me, Satan. <laughs> and Jesus is like, nope, that's me. <laughs> and so my heart for us is, is to do what Jesus did for me and continues to do to me every day. <laughs> Sometimes I don't say, yes, Lord. Sometimes I say, no, Lord. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I find myself saying, yes, Lord. <laughs> and it's this, is when we truly say yes to where he's called us and die, we will see life. When we truly go into the fire and say, Jesus, fashion me to look like you, he does. But grace won't empower you, and God won't empower you. Like, if we pray, God, change my boss, grace doesn't empower that. Grace empowers this. God, change me. <laughs> so my heart for us is that we would pray this, God, change me. I got to look like you. It's not going to change anybody else. It's, 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 unless you have love in your heart, you actually shouldn't pray for somebody because then you're praying with manipulation. You want to know why? Love doesn't seek its own. So sometimes we're praying for people because we want our lives to go better. That's not love, so God can't empower that prayer. I love Dan Moeller. Dan Moeller was this crazy dude, if you don't, he, he was like Todd White's spiritual father. And his wife prayed for him for, uh, for like 10 years to be changed. And finally, God wrecks Dan Muller. And, I mean, he's just a wild person. And, uh, <clears throat> and his wife got super bitter when God transformed his life. And uh, God showed up to his wife and told him this. He's like, you know what, all those years that you prayed for Dan, I couldn't answer those prayers. Because you weren't praying to change him for, for his sake, you were praying to change him for your sake. And I know I've prayed those prayers. <laughs> if we're being honest, we probably all prayed those prayers. What I'm saying is God will only empower love. God will only empower us to look like love. And so the reality is his fire wants to burn and consume everything in our lives that doesn't look like love. And one thing that I've been praying recently, and I want us to pray as a church, is God, I need your fire. I want to pray for his fire because fire removes everything that doesn't look like love. And I believe God's wanting to change the world. But in order to change the world, you've got to first change the people that are in front of us, right in our circle. And the only way we're going to see transformation from them is if we become like love. Yeah? So I want to pray. I want to pray that we would look like love. I want to pray that God's fire would come and burn out every area of our lives that doesn't look like love. Because I know in my life, like even yesterday, I was doing a tiptoe, and I'm and, and Jesus is like, "Hey, that's not what I've called you to." And I love that He convicts us, 
doesn't condemn us. He convicts us of what we're supposed to be. So I want us to pray that he would convict our hearts to look like love. Can we all pray that prayer? (laughs) Yeah? Let's do it. If you'll put your hand on your heart. You can repeat after me. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you gave everything for us. And the only thing you require is for us. I don't even. (laughs) The only thing you require is for us to give us ourselves fully to you. And so we do that. And God, I pray that your fire would come and consume every part of me that doesn't look like love. And now I'm just going to pray, Jesus, I just thank you for the reality of what you done, have done. And God, we just, we receive it, God. As the only thing you're requiring us to do is, is to do what you did, which was to give everything. And you gave everything for us, God. And Father, I pray that you would show us what love looks like. I pray that you would show us what you look like <laughs> so that we can become fully what you paid for. And so, Jesus, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for establishing us in your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. <laughs> love you guys so much. Um, if you need prayer, if, if you just, yeah, want more, if you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. Um, we have a hot couch, so if you want prayer, you can just sit on this couch, and people will come pray for you, and so if you want to pray, come stay and pray. If you want prayer, come sit, and if not, we love you guys. Have an amazing week.